Welcome to I Wish They Knew, a show where leaders in business and education share big ideas that deserve more attention in about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm Joe Hirsch. Today's wish comes from Jacob Goldstein. Jacob is the host of the podcast, What's Your Problem?, where he explores the cutting-edge problems the world's global entrepreneurs and engineers are trying to solve. He spent more than a decade as co-host of the Planet Money podcast, such a great show, and he's also the author of the book, Money, the True Story of a Made-Up Thing. It's really interesting, folks. Check it out. It's in the notes. Before he discovered podcasts, Jacob worked as a staff writer at the Wall Street Journal, the Miami Herald, and the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. He's also reported stories for the New York Times Magazine, This American Life, Morning Edition, and All Things Considered. Jacob, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Super pleasure. Uh, so you spent a long time covering financial markets and players. What do you wish more people knew? So, you know, yeah, I, I, I went to work at Planet Money, as you mentioned in the intro. Uh, by that time, I was in my 30s, and it's an economics show, and I'd never studied economics in my life. I didn't advertise that at the time, but I, I came in cold. And as I learned more about economics, the the big exciting idea in economics to me is the thing I wish more people knew. And I spent my life at Planet Money trying to tell more people. And it's this, uh, the pie can get bigger. You know, the world is not a zero sum game. If one person is getting more stuff, it does not mean that it's at the expense of somebody else. Like that is the big exciting idea that I wish more people knew. Do you think your typical bond trader on Wall Street would subscribe to that view? No, no. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in to some extent, well, it reminds me, I don't know if you read the, the big short, um, mm -hmm. yeah. amazing book, obviously, book. Michael Lewis book about the 2008 financial crisis. There's this a bond trader basically in that book, and he goes into a meeting with some other bond trader. And he's like, I'm going to do this deal with you but I just want you to tell me how you're going to screw me and then we'll do the deal. Um, so no. And, and, you know, in, to some extent, financial markets in particular are more zero sum, right? If you think of a stock trade, somebody's buying, somebody's selling and like somebody's kind of making the right call. Somebody's kind of making the wrong call. So to me, that's not the best place to think about sort of the positive sumness of the world of economics. I think if you just think of a, of a non-financial transaction. You know, you go to the grocery store and you buy whatever, bread. Uh, you're getting the bread you want, presumably at a price you find reasonable. You know, if it's a functional market, you can shop around, you can get bread you like at a price you like. The baker and the, the baker and the store are selling the bread, they're making a living. So like that is an exchange that is good for everybody, right? Everybody is benefiting. And like the key thing over time, I think the really big idea here is not this sort of static analysis of one transaction. It's when you get essentially productivity gains over time. And productivity gains is like, I feel like we need to rebrand that phrase. Like it sounds so boring, right? But in fact, it's the way people get richer. Everybody gets richer in the long run, right? Productivity gains are the reason you and I are profoundly richer than our great grandparents. And most people on earth, are profoundly richer than their great grandparents, right? Like this is the big lesson. So put yourself into the mind of a skeptic. And I'm thinking about parts of our world, even outside of the financial markets, 
where it does seem to be ordered around winners and losers, college acceptances, medical school placements, job promotions, sports, politics. I mean, you can go on. What would you say to people who say the world doesn't operate like that? Well, so there are lots of domains that are zero sum, right? Uh, sports is the classic. Somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And that's what's fun about sports, right? Like we're not all winners in sports. There's a winner and a loser. Um, I mean, you mentioned education, right? So yes, if you frame it as elite colleges have some fixed number of seats and some people are going to get them and some people are not, that's true. And you know, a lot of these things are status hierarchies, right? We're hierarchical animals and a status hierarchy is fundamentally zero sum. Somebody's going to be on top and somebody's going to be second and whatever. But if you go back to the education model, yes, elite schools are zero sum and they're about relative status. But when more people get education, which has happened over time, right? Many more people, a much higher percentage of people say in this country get education than they used to. Uh, that benefits everybody, right? Those people are smarter, better workers. They can make more stuff in a day. They can, they can do better work. And when you do better work, everybody benefits. So to say that there are instances in the world that are zero sum is different than saying, oh yeah, the world is fundamentally zero sum. Mm. I mean, and I'll say one other thing in terms of speaking to skeptics, you know, I think of one issue is like the fundamental idea is you have productivity gains, you have technological breakthroughs, you have the ability for people to make more and better stuff in a day's work. But you also need those gains to be distributed, right? And for much, not all, but for much of the past, say, oh, 30 years, the gains from uh, productivity and uh, technological innovation went largely to rich people at the top of the income distribution. And so that's bad for this idea that I believe it, right? You need not only productivity gains, technological change, you need the gains from that to be spread broadly in society. So that's another valid reason people would have to be skeptical of this. I would just say, look at the long run, look at the 100 year, 200 year picture. And you see, yes, there are these moments that are bad when the gains only go to people at the very top. But in the long run, everybody keeps getting richer. So can you put this into quantifiable terms for us? You know, what, what would we expect to see change or improve if generosity, if positive distribution of productivity was practiced at scale? Well, I, I want to say it is practiced at scale and it doesn't even have to be a choice, right? Um, so, so there's an amazing story about this over the very long run, there's this economist at Yale named Bill Nordhaus. And he did this study uh, a while back now, a few decades ago, where he looked at artificial light uh, all the way back for thousands of years. And he asked some version of the question, like the form of it that's easiest to understand, I think is if a typical person works all day and spends a day's wages to light up a room, to you know turn on a light switcher in the ancient world, it was sesame oil. He went all the way back to ancient Babylon, sesame oil lamps. And he found in ancient Babylon, a day's wages could light up a room for 10 minutes, right? And then he goes through time and he, you know, he finally, you get to the industrial revolution in 1800. And by that time, it's like a day's wages, uh, they're using whale oil, sorry, whales, but that's what was happening at the time. They could light up a room for like an hour, right? So like, that's a pretty big gain. It's six X, but it took like 5,000 years or something. And then you jump to today, you know, and we've got the electric light and power plants. 
And a typical person, not a rich person, a normal person in the developed world, this was actually the end of the 20th century, it would be even better now, can light up a room for like 10,000 hours, right? Same amount of work, one day of work. And instead of lighting up the room for 10 minutes, you light it up for 10,000 hours. Like that is true, like that is real. And that is continuing. We just don't feel it on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not anybody's choice. It's just that people are clever and we learn to do things better and that makes us all richer. It's real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about leaders who, who might want to grow the pie mentality in their organizations. And I suspect that they're wondering about how this might affect the people who are naturally inclined to give and to share. Because those people, they're only happy to give and the takers, they're only too happy to take. So how can leaders promote a, a bigger pie mentality without cutting into productivity? Well, you know, I think like if you want, if you want to be cynical about it, you could frame this as in your own self-interest, right? Like the, the idea that the world is a positive sum game, that work can be a positive sum game, does not have to mean you should be generous or you should put others first. I mean, that's nice, I'm in favor of those things. But if you wanna be just Machiavellian about it, you could say, look, like the way to close this sale is to tell the customer like, this is gonna be good for you. Our product is gonna save you money. And, and to mean it, right? If you're working at a company whose product you believe in, which I think you should do, uh, then you should believe that if someone buys your product, they will be better off. And if it's the kind of product that's like a B2B product, they will be richer. Their business will run more efficiently. And like, obviously you're selling it at a price that's good for you, right? So, so it's not, it doesn't have to mean you should be nice or soft or whatever. It means it, it's a way of framing things, right? It's a way of framing things so that you realize that you don't have to screw the other guy to win. You can give them something they need that is helpful to them and they'll give you money and that's good for you. Can you think of a particular organization or institution that is practicing this that we might be able to learn from and emulate? I mean, I feel like it's pretty widespread and I feel like technology people in particular, engineers, like on this show, what's your problem that I'm making? I talk to a lot of engineers, right? And like, I love talking to engineers because like they're into building stuff, you know, like, why do you become an engineer? You become an engineer because you're into building stuff and they're trying to build stuff. The people I'm talking to, I'm trying to talk to people who seem to really believe, right? Whether it's like the impossible foods guy is coming up and he really believes that like engineering meat that tastes like meat, but doesn't come from an animal is going to make everybody better off. Right. Um, so, uh, and lots of people in tech, right? The people that I talked to a guy doing drone delivery in sub-Saharan Africa, that's like clearly good. They had medicine, they couldn't get it to the clinic. These guys built these drones. Now they can get the medicine to the clinic. So I feel like there are lots of organizations where people really believe, I mean, believe in the mission, I guess, is the very simple answer to your question. If you really believe in what you're doing, then you're doing the thing. Then if you succeed, the world is better off. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really just starts with a simple shift in the way we think about our work and the people who work with us. That's right. And, and like, I want to emphasize, like, you know, it doesn't have to mean you should be like give things away or whatever. It's, it's just, it's a fact that the, that everybody on average has gotten richer. Like, right. It's a fact that most people in the world are profoundly richer than their grandparents are. It's not like some dream I just want people to recognize that fact. I mean, there's this, there's this site, I don't know if this is too digressive, called Our World in Data. And it's just this nerdy, cool site. 
but they have a lot of long-term data. So if you look at 50-year data, 20-year data, 100-year data, you just see all these basic measures of, you know, the share of people living in poverty, infant mortality, like the world is actually getting better. You wouldn't know it to listen to the news. It's just maybe kind of my fault because I was a journalist for 20 years, sorry. But like in the long run, the world really is getting better. Well, I feel like I've gotten better and the pie has gotten bigger after okay. having this conversation okay. with you. <laughs> I, I see, feel like a winner too. See, we both gained. The, the book is Money. The podcast is What's Your Problem? And the person is Jacob Goldstein. Jacob, thanks for sharing your wish with us today. Oh yeah, thanks for letting me share. Everybody wins. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. It helps others find us. For more ideas on how to communicate with impact, visit my website, joehirsch.me. See you next time.